Lord, thank you for this time that you've given us to uh, sit together and be quiet in the spirit and allow you to speak to us. We thank you for this time. We call it a precious time where we can sit and gather together and even have a small meal, a small time together of fellowship. Lord, we want to hear you speak to us right now. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you for your comfort as well, too, in times of difficulty. We thank you for your strength. And Lord, we know that no matter what is going on, you are present and we feel your presence. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for lifting us up when we're down. Thank you for the measures of grace that you send to us. And Lord, if we can just be faithful to you, we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In our lesson, if you want to follow along, we're on page 5 of Lesson 17. And the question came up about the types of answers when Habakkuk got the answer from God about the Chaldeans coming and essentially wreaking havoc. Habakkuk may have felt as though that that answer to his prayer, his appeal to God, in Habakkuk chapter 2, was that it was not really a great answer, but it might have been a sneaky answer, rather than what you would call a fishy answer, a food answer. So we need to ask the question, why is it that sometimes when God answers prayer, we get bad answers? Or... Do we need to actually ask the question a different way and say, are they really bad answers? Now, let's apply this to today. Some of us have been through seasons of life that are tough situations. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> and when I say seasons of life, the longer you're living, you are going to experience what I'm going to term seasons of life, where there is a change that takes place from the norm, and that change is not something that necessarily is expected or maybe something that is anticipated, but now you're going to go through a period of time where you're going day by day, month by month, year by year, with that seasonal transition. And in that time of your life, there is a lot of extra, I'll say extra prayer and sometimes extraordinary prayer to be able to cope with these situations. I will use myself and my bride as an example because I think that that's appropriate to do because this is not about putting anybody on the spot, but my wife and I, everybody knows what we went through First of all, we, you know, we had to, not going back too far, but we both, this is our second marriage, both of us. So there was a season there where we had to encounter that and deal with that situation. Now, as we have elderly parents, another season, her father. Right after that, and God's timing is amazing because we didn't have to go through this stuff at the same time. Right after that, my mother. Okay, So these are seasons of life 
that we've had to go through an experience and we will be praying for what we would like to call positive outcomes. Amen? Positive outcomes. We're not praying for negative stuff. We want stuff to happen that's good. We don't want things to happen that are bad. But in those answers sometimes come what? Either no answer or not the outcome you would expect. So Habakkuk's prayer and God coming back and saying, I'm going to do something amazing before your eyes. And here it comes, the Chaldeans. Not the answer that anybody would expect. How does that relate to us? We've gotten a lot of answers. And we might call them even bad answers. In quotes. Because they're answers that we don't expect. So now we have to look a little bit deeper at this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. This is, these are the times that try men's souls. Anybody hear that before? These are the times that try men's souls. Because these are serious times. And there's serious stuff going on. And it's not something that can be resolved in a day. Not something that can be resolved within a month. Not something that can be resolved even within a year or years. Now I've got to tell you something. Let's go back to the divorce thing. As you disciple people who have been through or are going through a divorce, please be sensitive to those people. You do not understand the emotional turmoil that a lot of people go through when there's a divorce. You need to be sensitive to them. Now, I've got to tell you something. In a lot of ways, churches have failed in this area. And in a lot of ways, our denomination has failed in this area. Has failed miserably. And that's an indictment on the way of thinking that a lot of people have about people going through a divorce. It's no fun. Now, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to mention something that you need to understand, too. This man right here, when I was going through a hard time, made a phone call. Yeah, I know. You didn't know I was going to do that to you. That's okay. I've never forgotten it, though, Brother Beecher. Made a phone call and talked to me and encouraged me after I had gotten divorced. Gave encouragement. You need to understand something. That goes a long way in helping someone deal with a situation. Well, I understand that. But, but see, that's the whole point. His experience teaches something. You have a lot of people who are counseling about divorce who have not been through divorce. And that's not inherently a bad thing. But understand something. If you've been through it, you know what's going on. You can relate to it. So when a person is suffering and they're answered, asking for prayer from God about what's going on, what's happening, sometimes we just need to step up and say something that's positive. Okay. So just be aware of that. Be sensitive. We in the body of Christ must remain sensitive to other people, other situations, other circumstances, we can't blow people off. Okay. So that's part of it. 
Now, what about this thing about not getting answers to prayer? Maybe it's a bad answer. Well, let's look at this a little bit further. Do we really get bad answers? Let's think about it. Okay. Well, you're saying no. Okay. And why do you say no? Let's go ahead and talk about it. That's exactly right. Everybody hear that? Okay. That was a profound statement, brother. Thank you. (laughs) It's all about God's timing. We sometimes don't take into account God's timing. The best thing that I could have ever done was marry this woman. I can't marry her if I'm still married and she's still married. So those things had to happen. Okay? But this is the best thing that ever happened. Because she's a true partner in ministry. And she understands what goes on in ministry. While other people, they look at ministry and say, oh, I don't think I want to do that. It's pretty important to have somebody as a partner in ministry if you are going to be involved in ministry. Whatever that is. So we don't understand the answers at the time, but the timing of God is impeccable. I'm going to use that word impeccable. So if you're going through a season of life or a transition where you don't understand everything that's happening, it's still going on, nothing's changed, Trust that God is still in the midst of what's happening. That's right. He's just. Right. And we need to keep telling ourselves that, don't we? We need to keep saying those very words in the midst of a struggle. Jesus gives us the example of prayer in John chapter 17. About praying for others. Right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Oh, that's great. Great, great response. Okay. So let's look at this a little bit further. Remember, prayed, wondering why God wasn't opening that door. After all, this is my gift and my ministry. At the same time, Phil was asked to teach a college Bible study and asked me to team teach with him. I had never taught before. I found the experience challenging, and each week I taught... It revealed a gift I didn't know I had. The more I taught, the more passionate I became about teaching. What I thought was a snaky answer was really a fish in disguise. Now, another personalization here. Because when, when I talk about a partner in ministry, you know, Mrs. Gaines comes here after you know, she was introduced in... October 31st of 2004 and came into the fold after we got married in February 2005 and she had never taught a class before. She was asked to teach the ladies' study 
in the evening. And what was your first thought about that when you were approached about that? Yeah, right? Yeah, I know. something to that effect. You know, it's like, yeah, right, I'm going to do this. Sure. I've never taught before. Okay, and she's never taught before. But now what happened, and it's almost the same story here, she realized that she had a certain ability to teach that she didn't know about until she got into that class. And God gets the glory because, yes, it's still him teaching the class. Exactly right. Okay, now see, this is why it's really important for you to be in prayer about your role in ministry. Now, faith is right. All of these gifts are on loan. We don't own anything. We possess them, but we don't own them. They can be changed. They can be altered. They can be moved in one place to another. They're interchangeable parts sometimes. But it's up to us, though, to determine exactly what direction that God is putting us in. Every one of you has a gift in ministry. Every one of you has a gift in ministry of some sort. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gifts you. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do these things that, in many ways, you don't even think you can do. But rather than sitting on the sidelines, you have to trust the Spirit to help you in this process. Jennifer had to learn that it's not just about her singing. There's other things that you can do that are going to be helpful and edify the body of Christ. You had your hand up. Yep. Oh, the, yeah, you can do that on your own because that's the, the right, the, the talents. Matthew 18. Just, just reading the book of Matthew. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times we look at that, that those scriptures and we think of money um, yeah. associated with that. And back then, you could say it was used as money. But if you think about it now, the talents that we have, what do we do with those talents? Yeah. You make money out of it. You can. Yeah. I know. But it's talents that. Well, let's look at it even one step further, though. What is the true value of the talents and gifts that they're used according to God's will? Is it monetary? What is it? It's spiritual. It's spiritual. When we talk about spiritual richness, what does that mean? Being rich in the spirit. Being rich in your faith. Being rich in within your role in the body of Christ. And what do we use the word poor by comparison? Are we talking about poorness in spirit? Are we talking about poorness in... Are we talking about monetary value? What are we talking about? 
Sometimes the poor in spirit, there is a mention of poorness in spirit in Matthew as well too. But we need to keep the meanings of words relevant to what? Our faith, our trust, our personal development in Christ. Those areas where you think you're poor in spirit, what should you be doing about those? You pray about them. You pray that God will bolster you up in those areas. Every one of us has a gift. At least one. At least one. Probably more. But you have to seek him to truly know where you are going to be best used in the body. Sometimes you are best used in the body by picking up the phone and calling somebody who's in need. That's the biggest thing you could do for a lot of folks. Snakes and scorpions bite, sting and hurt. When we live with the painful answer to our prayers, we assume they are snakes and scorpions because it hurts. The answers sting. When we look back, we see they were fish and bread in disguise because they nourished and grew us. Please remember what I said at the beginning of this lesson about the seasons of life that you go through and you don't understand everything you're going through. The prayers that you're getting answers to, you're getting snakes and scorpions, but they're really bread and fish in disguise because you still had a benefit and a growth through that process. When you're going through the time, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. That's why we, when we're discipling others, when you're going through something, doesn't feel like it, people around you need to be sensitive to you. And just be nice and be kind. Why are you still feeling like that? This happened a long time ago. Well, because you went through that episode, that situation in your life, well, I don't know if you can really serve. I've been thinking about this too much. We have got to do a better job of being kind and sensitive to people's difficulties. Understanding that a lot of people don't ask for this stuff. Don't ask for it. Well, sometimes they do. But sometimes they don't. And even if they did, so what? God's the one orchestrating that person's life. And they're going to have to deal with those issues as they come up. It's not your business to put somebody down about it. That's what you did. That's right. I can remember being at a church and heard somebody say that. I might have stepped, uh, stepped in that church maybe two or three times after that. And when I see anybody from that church, it's hello and I keep it moving. Okay. Yep. Now, I'm better now, but being honest, it was kind of like 
that's but but that's how you felt. And that's how I felt. Absolutely. So since you mentioned since you mentioned Matthew, go to Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21. We're going to look at that real quick. But let's ask the question: Can you think of any snakes or rocks you thought you received? That turned out to be fish and bread. Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Can you think? Now, some of us, it might pop right up in your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you think of any snakes or rocks you thought you received that turned out to be fish and bread? If so, explain. Now, I'm not, this is not a personal thing, but I think I already touched on it. I didn't ask for a divorce. Got one anyway. That's a snake and a rock thing. But as it turned out, it was a fish and bread experience. I'm not going to dwell on that. A lot of you, a lot of you have the unique perspective, and I say unique perspective, of being here before and after. So you have a unique perspective of my life. And so what looked like snakes and rocks turned out to be fish and bread. Times a million. So. Amen. (laughs) Anyone else? Can you think of any snakes or rocks you thought you received that turned out to be fish and bread? And if so, explain. Yes, Debbie. Okay. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Now, you know, Debbie, she is part of the Northern Summit County Coalition. Because of where she lives, you know, she lives in Macedonia and we live in Northfield Center. So we're like neighboring. Debbie doesn't have to come to church here. She does not have to come to church here. There's a lot of churches between here and where she lives. Yeah. I mean, the chapel is opening up a church in, up in Nordonia because they see there's an opportunity to try to reach people for Christ up there. That doesn't mean you have to go to the chapel, but I'm just telling you there's other churches between here and there. But Debbie's coming here because she is loved and appreciated here. She has a ministry here. There's all kinds of reasons why you come and drive 30 miles to go to church. All kinds of reasons. Thank you for that example. 
But don't lose the point here. Her husband moved here. Moved, everybody moved here. Yes. It reminds me of the story, not in my life, but just I heard this kid that fell out of a window. Okay. The ground. Everybody was just like, how you know, horrible this child hit the ground. But because of that, they took him in and he got an MRI. And they caught some information about his health that they were able to address and take care of. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't have seen it any other way until it was too late because the symptoms wouldn't have been shown. But because he fell out of the window and he went to emergency, he got this deep, thorough exam to see what had happened. Mm-hmm. And they found, hey, did you know he had, and I want to say it was a tumor of some sort. Okay. They found it, but they wouldn't have found it had he not fallen out the window. So that sounded like a snake and a scorpion for sure, but it turned out to be life for him. And there are countless examples like that. That's just one. But there are countless examples where something happens out of the ordinary, unexpected, and you don't understand why it happens, and yet you find and discover something else, and it leads to a healing. A healing. Okay. Let's continue. What was given and multiplied in Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21? Let's take a look at that. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And he took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. What was given and multiplied in Matthew 14... Verses 15 through 21. The bread and the fish. Now, how did God do that? First of all, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples. Remember, was it five loaves and two fish? Five loaves and two fish. Five loaves of food and two fish. Now, I don't care how good you are as a cook. You can't cut five loaves of two fish and feed 5,000 people. Amen? Yeah, I don't care. You can cut little slivers up this here. It ain't going to satisfy anybody. It's not going to work, is it? And the nice thing about this, you, everybody can relate to pieces of bread and some fish. So it's easy to understand. So God gave it to the disciples. So even at that point, it multiplied. Because how many disciples were there? It's 12 disciples. Keep handing it off. Keep handing it off. Hand one off, there's another one. Hand one off, there's another one. Just pops in there. Just keeps multiplying. Do you understand that's the essence of the gospel? That's the very essence of the gospel. The gospel is all about multipliers. It's about recognizing God's goodness. He is the one who is getting people saved. He is the one who is getting the word out. 
We are mere conduits of that. That's the gospel. Consider this. God will not give snakes and rocks because they hurt. What he gives to us, he grants so we can also give. What he gives to us, he grants so we can also give. Look again at Matthew fourteen nineteen. Or the crowd sit down in the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Even when you think you're getting junk in response, give thanks anyway. Say thanks. Even when you don't understand what's happening in the answer, say thanks. Be thankful. If for nothing else, then God's very presence in your life. God's goodness. You all understand salvation. You all understand that you are taken care of for eternity. Mary knew that. Mary knew that. There comes a point where we're not going to get up out of that bed. It's going to be a place in time. We're not going to get up out of that bed. That's it. But you are secure in your knowledge of where you're going to be because of faith. And you say thank you. We already know the outcome to that prayer of Mary getting up out of that bed and going home and coming back to church was not answered the way we expected. But she did go home. Not to her physical residence, but the home we talk about for all eternity, which is where I want to be. We all want to be there. What was the progression of the fish and the bread? Who got it and who gave it to whom? The disciples. Jesus is the one who broke the bread, but the disciples handed it out. But he did what? He gave, said a blessing, gave thanks. And there it was. The fish and bread God gives to us in response to our prayers is the fish and bread he wants to give to others. He provides for us, nourishes us, and nourishes and grows us, and in turn we give from the abundance we have received. So even if it feels like snakes and stones, treat it like the fish and bread it is. Jennifer had to see the same thing when she wrote about this. Yes, sir. Brother, I was just looking at that. To me, that Jesus was doing what no one else could do. Yep. The disciples couldn't cause a miracle to take place. True. But they could pass this bread out. That's right. That's right. It was like when Jesus was at this grave, or uh, um, you know, in the eleventh chapter of John, he could say, "Remove the stone." Okay. But You talking about Lazarus? Yeah, Lazarus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So both of them had a part to play, and that's what we are doing today. That's where the multiplication comes in. Amen. Do you believe that God is using you? Do you believe that God is using you even in those seasons of life when things just suck? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. He is absolutely using you 
even in those seasons of life when things just suck. But it's okay. He's using you. That's what we need to take away from this. So... J. Vernon McGee. Yes, sir. Yes. Absolutely. So, real quick, down at the bottom of the of page six, well, it's in the middle, really. What does this remind you of when we're looking at Matthew chapter 14? It reminds you of one of God's faithful promises. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do, and I underline the word, far more abundantly then all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God is the one who is able to do all of these things, including get us through those terrible times in our life. He is the one, and he does it with abundance. Abundance. The prayers are being answered. It's about timing. We've had this discussion. And sometimes when we don't like the answer, it still needs to come back to just be thankful anyway. Because you know that God still has an eternal purpose for all of us. Eternal purpose. Even in Mary's death, God is glorified. Do you all see that? God is glorified. God is the one who is glorified. That's what we're all about. We're all about glorifying God. We're not glorifying self. That's what it's all about. The gospel of Jesus Christ glorifies God. That's what we're all about. In life and in death. Okay, we're over time. Think and pray about his abundant goodness no matter how he answers your prayers. No matter how... He answers them. And be patient. Because sometimes, when you don't get an answer, the worst thing to do is be impatient. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you again. Father, we love your goodness. We love your grace. We love your mercy. We love all these things about you. And Lord, you know sometimes we struggle. And we have a hard time. But Lord, you are gracious in the midst of our struggles. You truly want to see us succeed. You do not want to see us fail. We do pray that you strengthen us through those times. That we can hear you speak. That we can hear you work in certain situations in our lives. That we can see glimpses of hope. And we thank you, Lord, for enduring us, or giving us patience to endure. 
we know that endurance is necessary to be able to function in such a way where we can not only glorify you, but also reflect to others how you are helping us through those tough times. Lord, as we disciple others, help us to remain sensitive to what's going on in their lives. Help us through the power of the Spirit and through intuition to see these very things that need to be attended to. And we thank you, Lord, for the good results. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.